be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, as we find it written in the first epistle of Peter, the first chapter beginning at the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is a good morning, isn't it? And I hope that all of us are happy to be here in God's house at this hour, that we feel we are among friends, that it is a privilege to worship our God. Today, as you know, is the first Sunday after Easter. It goes by a rather imposing name, Quasimodo Guinity Sunday. You may wonder just what that means. Well, the intro for the day in the Latin language begins with those words, Quasimodo Guinity. Uh, they mean as newborn babes. The first words, as newborn babes, the intro says, desire the sincere milk of the word. So that's one name. And the other name that has been given to this Sunday is Low Sunday. I'm thinking of Easter as High Sunday with the big attendance and then Low Sunday supposedly at the other end of the attendance record. Whatever we wish to call it, we may say, but last Sunday was Easter and we're standing in the afterglow of Easter. We may say that last Sunday, what a privilege it was to say, uh, what did the resurrection of Jesus mean? We found last Sunday that it meant that God raised him from the dead, that it was the greatest miracle that God has ever performed, the most magnificent miracle, the grandest, the most important miracle. And here we're standing on the Sunday after Easter, and you may say, well, preacher, after all, that's what Easter meant in the first century, that God raised him from the dead, the preacher we're living in the 20th century. You may say to me this morning, what does Easter mean today? What does Christ's resurrection mean to us today, this very moment, living in this 20th century? We may say, is Easter something that you just reach in and grab out of the bag and you celebrate it once a year, and then you forget all about this resurrection, and as though it were that, well, what did he do? Did he go around for a while and then just die again? Did he just fade away? What's the meaning of the resurrection today in this very moment in your life and mine. You've got some good questions, and I'd like to answer some of them on the basis of the Word of God. 
The text that I just read is very appropriate for this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. There we find the Apostle Peter writing to the Christians of his day, writing to them and telling them you ought to thank God, Christians, and he's talking to you and me too. He says, Bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank him and praise him for this gift, the gift of a living hope, a lively hope that you have because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The Apostle Peter, through the word of God, is saying to you and me this morning, listen, Christians, you ought to thank God, you ought to bless him, you ought to praise him, you ought to realize that it's worth getting excited about, it is worth simply shouting about to think of the living hope that is yours because of the resurrection. The living hope, those living glorious hopes that you and I have, the glorious assurances that we have regarding tomorrow, the glorious certainties that you and I have regarding tomorrow and the next day, the glorious assurances that we have because of the resurrection of Christ from the grave. And you may say to me this morning, well, preacher, I don't know whether that's something to shout about, to give thanks to God because of this living hope, because of the certainties that I have with regard to tomorrow, with regard to the resurrection of Jesus, because what does it mean today? He arose from the dead in the first century. This is the 20th century. And thank God, as we turn to the Word of God, we find that Peter would remind you and me just what this resurrection means to you and me today. And that's why he says, listen, with every breath you've got, thank God for the living hope that is yours. Thank God for the glorious certainty that you have with regard to tomorrow because of the resurrection, because Peter reminds me the resurrection means this that he who arose, he's still our ever-living Savior. He is the one who never again will die. He is our ever-present Savior. He is the Savior who is with you and me every second of the day and every inch of the way. That's what it means today. You say, preacher, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean in the 20th century? This is what it means to you and me as a Christian. It means that this living Christ who will never die again is with you and me every billionth of the second of every day. He is with you and me every billionth of an inch as you and I tread this life. We may say to ourselves, well, if that's what it means today, he is with me, the ever-present Savior, with me every second of the day and every inch of the way, then surely this living hope, this grand assurance about tomorrow, it must be something worth shouting about. And I'd like to spend a few moments this morning telling you that having this living Christ with you and me every second of the day and every inch of the way giving us hope, it is worth shouting about because in the first place Peter reminds you and me that this resurrected Christ, this Christ who is ever living, who's never going to die again, who is ever present with you and me personally, Peter says, don't forget he uses his power in order to prevent harm and danger from coming to you. I wonder sometimes if we've ever really drunk in the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus. What does it mean in your life and mine this morning? It means that he is with you and me every second and every inch of the way, and he is using his power that no harm or danger 
is going to come to you and me. You know, he said one day, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He stands and he has the whole wide world in his hand and in your life and mine right now. With this omnipotence, this power, he is telling you and me there isn't any danger. Satan and hell, no adversity will ever come that will bring death to you until I will it. This is what he's saying. Do you have a son in Vietnam? Do you have a husband in Vietnam? Do you have somebody you love over there? Do you realize that in Christ that that person in Vietnam is just as safe as you and I are out here? Because this living Christ is with them every billionth of a second and every billionth of an inch of the way. They have absolute safety. They are just as safe even though again the mortar shells and the bullets and the bombs are flowing. They are just as absolutely safe as you and I are. This living Christ who is with you and me every inch and every second says nothing happens in this world without my permission. I run the world. There isn't any love. There isn't any chance. There isn't any blind faith. There isn't anything that happens, not even a sparrow falls to the ground, he says, without his permission. And you realize that gives you and me a living hope, that gives you and me a certainty, that gives us an absolute assurance about tomorrow that's worth shouting about. It's this, that you and I are immortal until our plan and our mission and our purpose in life are fulfilled. You aren't going to die, neither am I. I don't care what the dangers are. I don't care if Satan and the fallen angels turn against you and me. You will never die, nor I, until the plan and the purpose and the mission that Jesus Christ has for you and me is going to be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I think that's a living hope that's worth shouting about. There isn't anything as premature death in the life of a Christian. You've got a living Christ who will never die again, who is with you and me every second of the day and every inch of the way. And he says, there isn't any death going to come until you have fulfilled the plan and the mission, until I say so. When that time comes, then you and I will accept it. And we ought to say to ourselves this morning on this Sunday after Easter and say, what does it mean today? Do you bury Easter and forget it till next year? He arose, what did he do, just die again? What does it mean in this 20th century? It means that he is the ever-living Christ. It means that he is with you and me always. He is with us all the way and all the time, and we ought to say, well, that's worth shouting about. I've got a living hope because of Easter, and I'm going to thank and praise, and when you and I thank and praise, we're going to show our appreciation by looking at all men and their lives as being very precious. Why? I ought to realize when I look at every man that his life is as precious as mine. Why? Because there's a plan, and there's a mission and a purpose for his life, too. Oh, we're hearing a lot about abortions today, aren't we? Oh, in the new lib movement that every woman should have the right to decide whether again that life under her heart 
should see the light of day, that human being or not. And if she doesn't think so, that she may abort this thing. This ought to be her privilege. Did you ever ask yourself this question? Supposing the Virgin Mary, when she knew that she was going to be a mother, and when the neighbors knew it and she wasn't married, she wondered about Joseph, what would have happened had Mary aborted? Did you ever think of that? She carried under her heart the Son of God. She carried the Savior of the world. Oh, you may say, mine won't be the Messiah. Mine won't be the Savior. How do you know who this unborn child may be and what his plan and his mission and his purpose may be in life? Oh, what respect we ought to have for life when we've got this living Christ with us assuring us that our plan and our mission and purpose will be fulfilled. Then there are those talking about euthanasia, mercy killing. We're seeing the older generation getting older. We go out and we see them and they don't know who they are and they don't know us. And it's so easy to say, well, we ought to deliver them from their situation. They don't know who they are. There shouldn't be such a thing as mercy killing that we could put them to sleep. Who decides when somebody's mission and aim and purpose in life is fulfilled? Mercy for whom? For that person or is it to get rid of a load from ourselves, to get rid of them, to get rid of responsibilities, to get rid of some of the things that maybe their plan and mission in life in that very situation is to teach you and me something, perhaps children who have forgotten. We say, what does Easter mean today? What does it mean in this 20th century? Sure, he arose in the first century, but did he just arise and fade away and die again? Peter says, you've got a living hope. This Jesus who arose, he is with you and me every second of the day and every inch of the way. Oh, what reverence we ought to have for human life. Here's plan, here's purpose. He is the one who would regulate that, that you and I may have the joy of knowing that we're not interfering with the plans and the purposes of a living Christ in the lives of others, even in the lives of the unborn. This is the Sunday after Easter. You say, preacher, last Sunday was great. This is low Sunday, we call it. We come back to normal now. Uh, Easter, oh, it means God raised him from the dead. That was first century. We just forget about it now. We're in the 20th century. Well, the Apostle Peter would remind you and me we ought to thank God and it's worth shouting about, it's worth crowing about, the living hope. Again, the certainties that you and I have regarding tomorrow, the absolutes that we have with regard to tomorrow and the assurances because of the resurrection and all because the resurrection of Jesus means today that Christ is alive. Never again to die, he is ever present with you and me every second of the day and every inch of the way. Therefore, again, this, this hope, this living hope that you and I have because of him, it's worth shouting about because Peter also reminds us that having this living Christ who is with you and me, he uses his power and every sorrow and every trial. Some of us say, oh Lord, how long? 
Some of us say, look at the load I've got. We talk about trials and we talk about heartaches and we talk about sicknesses. And again, we talk about death to our loved ones and we say, oh Lord, how long? We say, why is it that the Christian has to have so many sorrows and there's got to be so many tears and there have to be so many heartaches? You know, Jesus didn't promise roses and roses all the way, did he? We say, if he's with me, preacher, as you say, and he who has all power, and he's using that power, and he's with me every moment of the day, and there isn't a billionth of a second that he leaves me, and he's with me every inch of the way, and not one billionth of an inch does he ever withdraw his presence. And we say, why this load? Well, he's never promised you and me roses all the way, has he? He said, I didn't have it either. Remember, he went to the cross. He was the Son of God. And, and he assures you, man, that it wouldn't be best for us to have roses all the way. We might forget him. But he does promise that he'll control the load. He does promise that he'll never put a 20-ton load on a ton-and-a-half truck. If all that you and I have got's a ton and a half truck, he assures you and me there'll never be a ten ton load. And he tells us, as your day, so shall your strength be. And Peter says, why does he do it? Because he loves us and he refines us. He knows this, that we're liable to forget him. And we need to grow. And even gold, Peter says, the most precious metal, it's perishable. And yet it becomes beautiful only by being refined. Peter says, and so this Jesus, he takes our faith, which is so wonderful, and he, again, he refines it, like the refiner that throw, throws the dross in the bucket that's gold and dross, and he heats it, and he keeps blowing the smoke away, and he keeps boiling it until we are told on top when the gold is there, and he can see his image in the gold on the top of the bucket, and then he knows it's been refined. And Jesus takes you and me sometimes Oh, yes, he who is with us every billionth of a second. And he refines us, and illness comes. And again, he refines until he sees his image, that somehow or other in your life and mine, he becomes all in all. We look to him and we say, Oh, God, what would we do without a Savior? What would we do without Calvary? What would we do without God's Son, who came into the world and bore hell and damnation and arose from the dead, the sureness of eternal life? And he becomes, oh, so precious, and he brings us up to him he refines us he makes us what he wants us to be in our capacities become great this is what he does again yes he's got all power this is what easter means when there come tears and heartaches but he assures you and me and says but this is the living hope i give you with regard to tomorrow and you may rest assured that i'll take every adversity I'll take every illness, I'll take everything that comes, and I'll make these things blessings in your heavenward journey. And sometimes, you know, he says, did you ever look at Calvary? You realize that not only did I die for you, but I died the most hideous, the most ignominious, the most horrible, shameful, disgraceful death that a human being could endure. They nailed me to a cross. That was reserved for the lowest. And yet Jesus would say, look what's happened. I've overruled the cross that it's become an emblem of beauty and you've learned to love it. And so Jesus says, I'll overrule everything in your life. I will overrule it that they'll all be blessings that someday when you look down on, again, the pattern of your life, 
just like a piece of embroidery when you look at the underneath side it doesn't make sense and the knots are there and the colors don't add up but oh someday when you see the embroidery of your life as I have woven it you will see that it is perfect it is fine that everything had a place that I made you more what I wanted you to be and that ought to mean today then as we say here we are in the afterglow of East World what does it mean today preacher uh, he again arose in the first century but how about the 20th and Peter says it ought to mean that you thank God it's worth crowing about it's worth thanking him look at the glorious living hope that you have the hope of tomorrow that everything that comes regardless of what it is will be a blessing when you and I can believe that then we'll thank him and then we'll pray to him to give us strength to bear the things we can't change we'll ask him for strength to change the things that we can change for wisdom to know the difference as you know that was the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi wasn't it but in again these things in life and the tragedies and the troubles he prayed that God would give him strength that what can't be changed sometimes illness just can't be changed sometimes it is faith I've had people say to me if you had a fatal illness would you go to a faith healer my answer is no, I would not. I say, why not? I wouldn't go for this reason. I believe that Easter means that I have with me every billionth of a second, as you can believe too, and every billionth of an inch. I've got the Almighty Christ with me. And I believe that because he is with me, that he loves me. And I believe there's nobody on earth that he'd rather hear pray to him than I, in the same way with you. That there's no one he'd rather hear pray to him rather than to hear you pray. And I'm sure there's nobody on earth whose prayers mean any more to him than mine when I pray to him in his name. And I'm sure that he never says to me, I won't hear your prayer, but I'll hear that bird's over there. You go over and you let him pray and I'll hear. You know, sometimes we misunderstand this thing about healing. Jesus did heal, but he didn't heal everybody in Palestine, did he? The main object of healing was not healing in itself, although it was mercy. But he always said, these are signs. He did it so that they may see that he was something more than a healer. He was the son of God. He doesn't need healing today in order to prove that he is the son of God. The church, as it exists today, is all the proof we need. If it did need more proof, he can certainly give men the power to heal. But he still says, I'm with you. I am with you every billionth of a second and every billionth of an inch. When I know that he's with me, I know this. When I ask him if mine's a fatal disease, I know he's big enough to bless me through medicine and surgery. He is big enough to heal me if it's his will. I don't need to go to somebody else. I may use and I must use medicines and I must use surgery as blessings. Then I know the difference if I can change things. How many of us are so unhappy in our homes? Wondering what's wrong. Are there some things that we can change? How about it? Could this home that seems to be a living hell could it be a living paradise? 
if we were willing to change with the living Christ. The wisdom to know the difference. Oh, we say this is Easter. This is the Sunday after Easter. This is the Easter season. What does Easter mean? Yes, he arose from the dead. And you say, what does it mean today? This is the 20th century. Well, it means he's alive. It means he's with you. He's with me. And it means that we have some living hopes. They're worth shouting about. They're worth throwing about. Because having him, Peter would remind us that we have this resurrected Christ, this ever-present Christ, who sees to it that you and I have all we need to live on, and he gives us strength in the art of temptation and in the art of cross-bearing. We look at tomorrow and we say, am I going to get along? Who's going to take care of me tomorrow? And this Christ who has all power, <coughs> he says to you and me, did you ever consider the lilies of the field, how they grow? They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What are you worried about? I'm with you. I have the whole wide world in my hand. You think I can't feed you and clothe you and give you shelter? You're worried about temptations that come? When I'm with you, if you turn to me and ask me for strength, I will give you strength to say no to every temptation that would come and take you away from me. And if there will come the cross of suffering because you belong to me, what are you worried about? As your days, so shall your strength be. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll give you strength that if they put you to death because you belong to me, I'll give you the strength. I'm the living Christ. Oh, yes, I arose in the first century, but I'm with you. I'm right alongside of you. That means what? It means this glorious assurance regarding tomorrow, that while your journey in mind isn't going to be easy, it's going to be safe. Jesus says, I'll get you through. Don't you worry about that. You just hold on to me. And I'll get you through. It won't be easy, but it's going to be safe. I'll get you through to the end of your salvation. And it ought to mean then this in your life and mine this morning. We ought to say, thanks, Jesus, for being with me. Thanks for Easter. Thanks, and this is something worth shouting about for the hope that I've got tomorrow. And then we ought to say, I'm going to let this hope live. I'm going to keep on looking forward to this inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, reserved in the heavens. You know, there come times in your life and mine once in a while that looking down just is, it's tragic, isn't it? And I know some of you are sitting here this morning saying, you look down, it, it's sad. But isn't it a wonderful thing that Jesus says, wait a minute, son, daughter, come on, let's look up. I'll pick you up. You see this inheritance that's waiting for you that I've merited for you? I'll see that you make it. It's an inheritance that's uncorruptible. It'll, it'll never die. It's eternal. It is undefiled. It'll never be tainted by sin. Won't be any death there. Won't be any sorrow. Won't be any heartache. And it'll never fade away. 
You'll never get tired of it. You see it, son? You see it, daughter? And you know, Job, when everything in that man's life, he lived, you know, about the time of Moses, about 1500 B.C. He lost his sons, he lost his daughters, he lost everything he had. Then there came boils over his body. He was reeking in pain, and his wife didn't understand. She said, Job, curse God and die. Get rid of the thing. Take your own life. And yet, Job, there was nothing to look down for anymore, but he looked up. And old Job, he again inspired by God, he said, but this was the thing. Oh, there was hope, he said. I know that my Redeemer liveth, you see. My Redeemer's alive. I know that my Redeemer lives, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Oh, I knew he was weeping when he said it. But he was smiling through those tears. Everything's all right. My Savior's alive. My Savior lives. Peter says, you see, you haven't seen Jesus now. Jesus says to you and me this morning, I know you don't see me. I know you haven't seen me yet. But, but I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. And all the time to the end of the age, there isn't a billionth of a second but what I'm right there. There isn't a billionth of an inch but what I'm, I'm with you. You can't see me. But don't you at times... Feel me breathing on you. Don't you really? I breathe on you. Don't you feel my breath down your neck? That you know I'm there. That I'll never leave you. That you've got some living hope. That everything's all right. That you can smile through your tears. You can walk the glory road then, friends, and we can say, I, I know that my... Redeemer liveth, this is what Easter means today. What comfort that sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives who once was dead. He lives, my ever-living head. Don't you feel him breathing on you? Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding Keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.